White Castle's new Bacon Ranch Chicken Ring Slider is a symphony of savory on our signature bun. Start with two chicken rings. Mmm, surrender to the tender all-white meat chicken. And now, boom goes the bacon. Crispy, twisty, don't diss me. And here comes... There it is. Creamy, dreamy, Hidden Valley Original Ranch. <laughs> the Bacon Ranch Chicken Ring Slider. Two for you, just $3. Only at White Castle. While supplies last, tax not included. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to find out about the programming we have available for you 24-7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit xzbn.net. And for the Exxon TV show on Simul TV, we're Channel 21, and their website is simultv.com. Our guest this hour, Exonation, is Brandon Masulo. He is a clinical therapist, parapsychologist, and author residing in Northeast Ohio. Fascinated by paranormal phenomena for more than 20 years, Brandon has been a participant in and featured speaker at numerous paranormal forums and events. He studied, paras- he studied psychology and parapsychology at the University of Edinburgh in Scotland. His research has been cited in numerous parapsychological journals, articles, and mainstream books. His website, hauntedtheories.com. And we're going to be speaking to um, Brandon tonight about his book, The Ghost Studies, New Perspective on the Origins of Paranormal Experiences. And Brandon, welcome to the X-Zone. Thanks for having me, Rob. Great to be here. Uh, So where did your interest in the paranormal come from? Well, I actually had it since I was uh, pretty young. Um, I never had really an experience Mm -hmm. um, in my whole life, but I picked up a book when I was about 15 on parapsychology and then I just sort of read and read and read all about uh, ESP, uh, psychokinesis, survival hypothesis, ghosts, all paranormal phenomenon and I just kept picking up more books and more books and then uh, you know I was at the library all the time reading about parapsychology mm-hmm. and then I studied psychology and then I went overseas and studied parapsychology. So my interest actually lies with uh, the research part of things and then that's kind of got me what what got me interested into the actual experiences people were having so you know it's usually the other way around people mm-hmm. have an experience and then they go towards the, the research and the education mine kind of you know not the normal route i guess to studying the paranormal so when would you say was your first experience with the paranormal um my actual first experience mm-hmm. was um probably about 2007 you know and you know, I'm I'm almost 40 years old, so um, that was <laughs> about 10 years ago. So, about at the age of about 30 or so is when I had my first experience, and that it wasn't even like a you know in your face type experience. I was just I was getting these. I, I was doing an experiment at a haunted location in Scotland, mm-hmm. and I had the, you know the EMFs, and I took baseline readings of this haunted location for about five six days, and it all came back normal. Every day was the same. And then one day when I was in a certain location, uh, my EMF meter started going uh, all over the place and I started getting like nausea, you know, overwhelming feelings and emotions, those types of haunt type phenomenon that a lot of people report. Um, And then it kind of just went away Uh, and I couldn't really explain it too much. So that was actually my first experience. How real is the paranormal? Um, 
I, I think it's it's a tough one to answer how real. I, I do think it's a legitimate phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that it happens actually probably more often than people realize. Um, you know, sometimes we get those hunches or that sort of, um, you know, crisis apparitions are right. a good example of this. This is where I wake up one morning mm-hmm. or I wake up in the middle of the night and I see you know, my aunt floating next to me and she says, I love you. Thank you. And then I find out the next day she passed away. Um, I think a lot of people have these sort of spontaneous experiences, uh, whether it's telepathy, um, or ESP or these types of things. I think people have them pretty much on a, not wouldn't say a daily basis, but I think people have several throughout their lives that they just sort of brush off as being, Oh, that was just a coincidence or this or that. Um, so I, I think they're fairly common, uh, not like an everyday thing for people, though, obviously. Well, do they really have something to do with the dead, or does this is this something that we in the human psyche and consciousness actually manifest ourselves? I think it. I think you're. I, I would agree with you. I, I don't think it necessarily mm-hmm. always has to be, you know, a spirit or an earthbound spirit that's sort of trying to communicate with us, or right. Uh, anything like that or demons or negative energies or anything like that. I think that um, there's a term in parapsychology called the psi hypothesis, um, which basically means that um, it it could be sort of people resonating with consciousness out in the environment. Uh, It it could be just sort of, um, you know, these these other paranormal phenomena Mm -hmm. like uh, telepathy and those types of things that we're experiencing and we're interpreting as ghosts. You know, maybe there's something in the environment that we pick on, pick up on, and it could be paranormal in nature, uh, not a natural thing, uh, that we sort of um, morph into this idea of it being an earthbound spirit or something like that. Um, you know, of of all the paranormal experiences that are out there, you know, you can sort of break down the percentages mm-hmm. um, just shooting from the hip. You know, 15% could be fraud you know, 20% could be misinterpreting things. And then you have this, this other percentage, the rest that could be legitimate phenomenon, you know, how much is actually dead, the dead speaking to us, or how much is just uh psi phenomenon or those other types of human experiences. That's hard to, de- to debate, but I think that a fair majority of it would fall into that category. Well, then why don't more people than the people who have these experiences experience them? For example, well, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Mm-hmm. Um, usually people who are um, adamant skeptics or don't believe in it kind of write it off. And they say, well, it, it was nothing. I'm just going to go about my life. I was like that prior to getting into all this. I was an adamant skeptic. Um, so I think a lot of times these great, awe-inspiring experiences, sometimes we just push aside and say, yeah, it was nothing. I just misremembered it or had nothing like that. But I do think that there's a... Um, a subset of the population that actually has more paranormal experiences than the general population. And from my experience in my research, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, has, I think this has to do with something called environmental sensitivity. And environmental sensitivity basically is, I mean, it doesn't have anything to do with psychic sensitivity or being gifted or those types of things. I just, um, the, the increased probability of having these ghostly encounters uh, is more related to, um, you know, the environment and our ability to sort of detect things in there. So as humans, we're all affected by and react to the environment in different ways. Um, it's been suggested in some research out there that the physical environment actually affects certain individuals more than others. 
this kind of these types of people who are very sensitive to the environment um, typically have fibromyalgia. Mm-hmm. They typically have um, allergies, migraines, these types of things. And what we found is these people with severe um, sensitivities to the environment, like touch, taste, smell, uh, they actually have way, way, way more paranormal experiences than the general population. Something like I think they polled sensitives and environmentally sensitive people, and 70% of them had paranormal experiences. So if we think about this, mm-hmm. if the paranormal has something to do with um, picking up things in the environment, um, maybe these people who are really sensitive experience a different world than us non-sensitives and they're better at sensing these external things well would it be would it be fair then to change the word from paranormal to unknown yet because it seems that the only reason things are paranormal is because we don't understand what is going on physically and mentally if it's an environmental issue yeah i would agree with that 100 percent i think i think the term paranormal implies when you think paranormal and when you think apparition, mm-hmm. you think, you know, dead and things that don't exist and these types of things conjure up inside your brain. And mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that's true. I think a lot of the stuff that's considered paranormal is actually, um, in my opinion, been statistically proven, like telepathy. Um, these types of sure. experiments and research that are out there actually shows that um, – you know, statistically speaking, mm-hmm. it does occur. Entanglement is another one. There's a lot of research out there by Dr. Persinger that says entangle- entanglement does occur. So that's brains communicating at a distance instantaneously. Mm-hmm. You know, so these stuff is not, I, I, I caution to say proven, but the statistics say it's possible. And these are things that probably we've had all of our lives. We're just sort of now being able to to have machinery or sensitive enough to pick up on that. So I would agree. Paranormal kind of elicits that mysterious sort of, you know, abnormal type thing when actually it's probably something as simple as we do every day. Yeah. All right, stand by, please. You and I have to take our first break. Exonation, our guest this hour, is Brandon Masulo. And if you'd like to get a hold of Brandon, his website is hauntedtheories.com. And he's got a new book out, Exonation, The Ghost Studies. New Perspectives on the Origins of Paranormal Experiences. Great gift for anyone this Christmas who's into the paranormal or into parapsychology. Once again, the book is entitled The Ghost Studies, New Perspectives on the Origins of Paranormal Experiences. And Brandon and I will be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exome from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Exonation, Brandon Masulo is our guest this hour. He is the author of Ghost, The Ghost Studies, New Perspectives on the Origins of Paranormal Experiences, and his website is hauntedtheories.com. 
Brandon, has there been any studies done, to your knowledge, that correlate the advancement of wireless technology, cell technology, microwave technology, with the increased occurrences and experiences of paranormal phenomenon? Hmm. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, Rob. Hmm. Um, what's your? I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on that. Well, you know, it seems that as technology has increased, and we all know that, you know, the microwaves uh, emit frequencies, and we know that they're not very good for us because you go to a gas station and it says, please shut off your cell phones while refilling your car. Uh, there have been medical studies done that show that children who use or hold cell phones to their heads may, uh, you know, have something go wrong with them. Uh, doctors and engineers, you know, tell you not to have a Bluetooth or wireless um, telephone or whatever beside your bed at night. And it seems that with all as as technology increases, the wireless, so do people having paranormal experiences, whether it's seeing UFOs, whether or not they have, they are claiming to have an alien abduction or having a an experience with the other side. I, I, I'm just, I'm just wondering if anybody has taken a serious look and said, "Hmm, increase in wireless uh, technology, increase in claims of the paranormal." Yeah, I, I, I think people would probably look at it um, more of a skeptical view of that and say maybe. Um, I mentioned Dr. Persinger mm -hmm. earlier. He's a neuro, neuro, or I think he's a neuropsychologist. Yeah, he's up but... here in Laurentian University. I've had him on the yeah. show a number of times. Yeah. Oh, sure. So th that's that idea where magnetic fields mm -hmm. or um, something in the environment could mess with your brain and cause these experiences to happen. So if we have more technology around that has the possibility with fluctuations yeah. to sort of mess with our internal wiring, that could cause an increase of those types of experiences. Um, you know, it... <laughs> That could be one of the skeptical reasons to look at it. But is it but is it skeptical or realistic? Um, I would probably say realistic. Um, yeah. You know, I've I've definitely, you know, every time I go uh, to a paranormal conference or mm -hmm. something like that, I, I always hear a, a a team talk about how they remove the clock or some sort of instrument from a room, and then after that, the experiences went away for the family. I don't know, uh, you know, do I put a lot of credence into that? I'm not sure, but I think that we all know sometimes people who are really sensitive to these electromagnetic fields in the environment, mm -hmm. they sometimes can get sick when they're sure. around things that give off high energy. Yeah. Um, and even if it's, even it could be low energy or low magnetic fields or EMFs just fluctuating at a certain level, and that can cause um, the... Um, the haunt type experiences because you know, I think I'm sorry I was, I was gonna say I think Persinger's research mm -hmm. showed that between 10 milligauss and 40 milligauss at fluctuations is pretty what caused a lot of these phenomena for people and that's actually pretty low I mean you'll find 10 milligauss around your house it's not exactly. that hard to do you know today's with today's technology my goodness uh, I I know at home we have uh, a unit from Bell Canada that we plug in to the the internet too and it sends mm -hmm. By uh, by Bluetooth to every TV in the house and every you know it's it's all yep. done like that and then you've got your Wi-Fi you've got this you've got that you've got your electric car opener and then you've got the cell yep. towers you know if people think that this isn't having some kind of effect on them they need a good reality check 
Yeah, I agree 100. Yeah. percent You know, one of the one of the things that got me into this research was a book I read by, um, I think he's an astrophysicist from Oxford, Michael Shalas. Um, it's called The Electric Connection, and it was written in the 90s. And this was obviously before the computer explosion mm-hmm. and all the wireless technology. And in that, he discusses the effects of um, these EMFs on people. Uh, and then uh, Dr. Robert Becker, who wrote Electrodynamic Man, or um, I don't know, that was Dr. Leonard Kravitz. But anyway, he he did a lot of research on how EMFs affect us as well. And he went out, you know, so I I see this as as my normal day-to-day sort of, I want to avoid these things as much sure. as possible, you know, and then I, I stumble across, you know, kids 25 and younger who are just surrounded by it all day from the wireless laptops to the phones to mm-hmm. the games they use. I mean, they're not ever not buy things like that. And I go, man, what's so important to me on a daily basis to avoid, like to them is just a normal part. Their brains are just adapted to that whole thing and is that positive i don't know but you know no one's telling them and this is through the government or through science no one's telling them that it's not good for them they're just telling them yeah it's fine don't worry about well, it well of course because people are making money and you don't want to spoil anybody's cash flow for goodness sake yeah and and i always i often wonder like and i wasn't around for this mm-hmm. but like cigarettes were everyone was smoking cigarettes yep. you know world war and then at some point it was like, no, <laughs> like what made that? Cause the, you mentioned money and things like what made that switch from cigarettes are the best to nobody touches cigarette. Um, I often wonder about yeah. that. I, I wish I would have been around to kind of get a little better idea of what was happening then. So uh, as a parapsychologist, where do you see, um, the direction of, of the investigation into these, these events that people are, are reporting like you know with all the technology that's available these days is it the lack of experience is it the lack of knowledge is it the lack of proper investigative or scientific investigative techniques that are that are lacking and not bringing forth the the evidence or is it that no matter what you do the evidence won't be found well I think that I'll use the word paranormal, okay. even though we, we don't both like it. <laughs> but paranormal phenomenon is, is very challenging mm-hmm. to sort of research in a normal scientific way because it's it's episodic. You, you can't do it at will. Right. Um, you know, sporadic, uh, all these things that the scientific method really hates. So um, it's really, really hard to study and really hard to get investigative techniques that are sort of um, universal for everybody. But I, I will say where I think the research is going, and I've seen it in the last probably 10 years, um, consciousness really seems to be one of the big things that's come out in, in recent times. Uh, and this is all the way from, from Dr. Dean Radin's books to um, uh, the, sort of the wave of consciousness. And you're seeing it a lot even in mainstream with uh, physicists, uh, and they're starting to question this idea of consciousness being um, internal and possibly it being external with the global uh, consciousness project and sort of collective consciousness and R- Rupert Sheldrake and all this. So I think that that's really where where uh, science is moving. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if consciousness is external and there is um, this global consciousness, that really opens the door to the possibility of 
um, ghostly encounters. It opens the door to telepathy. Uh, all these things really happen because of that. Um, and I also really see things going. We mentioned the technology that we're, that's always around us. Uh, there's a lot of negatives to it. But, hey, if I have something on me 24-7 and the technology keeps advancing, you know, I in paranormal phenomenon obviously happens spontaneously. If I'm hooked up to some sort of machine that's doing my blood pressure, my it does an EEG, does an EKG, does some sort of brain imaging, and I have a paranormal experience. White Castle's new Bacon Ranch Chicken Ring Slider is a symphony of savory on our signature bun. Start with two chicken rings. Mm, surrender to the tender all-white meat chicken. And now... Boom goes the bacon. Crispy, twisty, don't diss me. And here comes, there it is, creamy, dreamy, Hidden Valley Original Ranch. <laughs> the Bacon Ranch Chicken Ring Slider. Two for you, just $3. Only at White Castle. While supplies last, tax not included. Experience. Now I have all this data associated with it that you can't really get in, in science nowadays. So they don't have me under like an MRI machine or a, a fMRI machine with my Brave when I scanning my brain when I have a paranormal experience now. But in the future, I think with technology increasing, we'll probably get more data when these experiences do occur. And then we'll be able to pick out some variables that happen and then so forth and so on. And that's really where you develop a really a hypothesis and a theory. What is your take on the, the, the premise that some ghosts are like um, caught in a loop, a magnetic loop? And their their appearance can actually be timed and gauged to when they're going to appear. Uh, like a residual yes, type yeah. apparition? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I, I actually, with those types of experiences, I, I, think, I, I think those are probably the best to get the most information from. And I, I actually think that that's probably... Uh, sort of that imprint theory or that place theory is is probably a one of the best places to start when you study ghostly phenomenon. In my book, I go over some theories, and, and my theories basically are that when when there's a life-threatening event uh, for person A, they send sort of like a telepathic distress signal to person B. Now, the signal for person B sometimes can come in the form of an apparition or a smell or a glowing light or an emotion like the crisis apparitions we talked about um, and I think what happens is say this this telepathic distress signal happens in 1990 and you forward ahead to 2008 mm -hmm. I think that this this telepathic message that was sent between these two people can kind of linger around in an environment so if, if I see this vision of my aunt um, in 1990, I move out of the house, somebody else moves in the house and is in my bedroom, and then they wake up one night and there's this glowing vision of a woman. Is that the ghost of my aunt hanging around? I don't think so. I think it's sort of that imprint or the, of the message that was sent between my, the aunt and me back in 1990. All right, stand so by, I, buddy. We've got to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. And Dexo Nation, our guest this hour, is Brandon Marcillo. His website is hauntedtheories.com. And we'll both be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.
Brandon Masulo is our special guest this hour, Exxon Nation. His book is entitled The Ghost Studies, New Perspectives on the Origins of Paranormal Experiences, and his website is hauntedtheories.com. Is it possible, Brandon, that when it comes to thought transference or messages, uh, you know, whether they be from uh, somebody who is having a crisis in their life and family members get the message or whatever the case is where there are two living people who are experienced, one is the receiver and the other is the transmitter of this crisis. Could there be something in our psyche that allows us to transmit, receive messages that just has not been discovered yet? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Um, I, I think that, that that's really the sort of the baseline question where everyone asks. Like, mm -hmm. We all know this phenomenon happens, but no one could explain how it happens or why it happens right. or what the mechanisms are for it happening. I think that... Um, uh, you, we mentioned Persinger a lot, mm -hmm. but his his research into entanglement, what he did was he took two people and he sort of manipulated the magnetic fields around their brains. And when he did that, entanglement occurred or information was, was transferred. So you had one person in a room that was completely black uh, and another person in another room that was just a normal room. And the person in the normal room, they were flashing like a light in his eye. And when they put these magnetic fields around their head that were the same, they sort of synchronized. So when that happened, the person in the dark room, in his pupils, it was showing like a light was flashing in his eyes. So that shows that some information was transported between the two. When, when brains link up or when the fields are, the right, are right between the two, so you have sort of this idea that, well, maybe it's magnetic fields mm -hmm. happens like that. They did some experiments with people with psychic gifts. And what they found was what, when the psychic um, and the person he was reading, when, when they synchronized, when their EEGs correlated, that's when his readings were accurate. So that makes you say, when that happens, he's more accurate. He's getting information that's actually positive or true or accurate. So that makes you think, again, somehow they sync up, and then this is when information is transported. But that's sort of a really, really crude way of communicating when we think about it. But, you know, hey, when we first – the first telephone call was not really clear as it is nowadays. True. So, you know, you have to start somewhere. But the, finding those mechanisms for that happening is, is really – you know, that's the big quest out there. You know, we have all these theories about consciousness and mm -hmm. global fields, and it, it's possible, it's possible, it's possible. But until you actually find out how it happens, it's still paranormal. Tell me, what do you consider to be the biggest challenge in convincing uh, skeptical audiences that ghostly encounters are measurably and measurable a phenomenon? Um, well, and we talked about this earlier. At this mm -hmm. point, ghosts aren't measurable phenomenon. And, and because the paranormal is a difficult area to study, mm -hmm. um, because it's erratic and episodic and random and all that, um, it, it becomes more of a challenge. But this doesn't mean that, that, that um, these experiences we have are fraud or mental illness or overactive imaginations. What we have to do in the paranormal field, and when I say the paranormal field, I mean 
you know, weekend warriors, people who are out there doing investigations, is we really have to find some consistent variables which are measurable that kind of coincide or coincide with paranormal phenomenon. So, you know, I'm sure on the show you've talked to a lot of people, but there's hundreds of EVPs and pictures and videos and all this other stuff that's out there. And, and really, they gather this, they put it on Facebook, and then that's it. It just disappears after a while. And academia doesn't really care. They don't even acknowledge EVPs or grainy pictures uh, or any sort of anomalies. It just disappears. Well, so I think... Well, well you know, just, just taking the other side of the, the coin here... With all the technology that's available, that what the public is being presented to with as proof of the paranormal should be a lot better than it is. Um, what do you mean by that? Well, for example, everybody's got a cell phone. All the cell phones are high definition. Yep. The video's the same thing, but all we're getting is crap. <laughs> okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I agree. It's 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 really astounding. Um, but then again, I tell you what, though, if I saw something that was really believable, and this is just me, I'd be like, well, they faked that. You know what I'm saying? I think I would go that way with it. But it, 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 that's the challenge. Like, there's so, there's, there's, it's so available now with technology and everything mm -hmm. like that that why haven't we found a conclusive photograph of something like this happening? But why, what is the big draw to the paranormal? Well... I think it, it's obviously different for everybody, but I think the one thing is, um, you know, it, it's something that everyone can really investigate. So right? it's a hobby. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's maybe not. Ho yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't answer that. But it's something that we can all do. We all have an interest in. You know, I don't have to be an astrophysicist mm -hmm. to, you know, um, go to a haunted location. I don't have have advanced degrees in mathematics or psychology or do anything like this. So, number one, it's accessible. Number two, it's very interesting um, and fascinating, and it's a mystery that hasn't been solved in, since the beginning of time. So all these things really combined um, to really make the paranormal so, so widespread. Plus, it, plus uh, now it's a, it's a, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah, I mean, with haunted attractions and ghost you walks. Know, ghost and, walks, books, uh, lectures. Books. Yep. Uh, yeah, symposiums. It's a big industry. So do yeah. they? And what would happen to all this money that's being generated if the answers were really found? Yeah. You know, I, I I don't know how to answer that one. Mm. I, I recently watched, um, and maybe you know that the, there's a thing that's in development called the Soul Phone. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Um, it's, it's Dr. Gary Schwartz out of the <laughs> University of. You, okay. you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Have you heard about that? Yeah. And I watched a lecture that he gave, and he talked about all these benefits that could be happening if we were able to find out that we can communicate with spirits. Yeah. And I started thinking to myself, man, there's there could be benefits, but man, there's going to be a lot of negatives to that too. Big time. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I think that, um, you know, not only there, there's all these questions that arise as far as religion and, you know, um, if everyone is able to communicate, then there's no consequences to our behaviors, so we can do whatever we want. You know, so all this stuff really kind of ponders through my mind. Um, and I say to myself, you know, what if we do get that that piece of evidence that says, yep, this is 100% true? Mm -hmm. You know, what happens? You know, what happens to, to Zach Baggins and Ghost Adventures and uh, all these people out there? Does that increase their motivation or desire, or does that 
just go, oh, well, answer found. Let me move on to looking Bigfoot. for Bigfoot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, I asked myself that question too. I'm like, man, what if someone comes out and just figures this whole thing out? I mean, what does that mm-hmm. mean for me? You know, I've been, did I just waste my the last 10 years of my life? Well, no, no, no. As a parapsychologist, there's a lot of other areas that you can be diversified in. You know, it yeah. just doesn't yeah. stick to ghosts and and yeah. and everything else than that. But when I look at it, I've been doing the show now for 29 years. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've spoken to thousands of guests. Yeah. And over the 29 years, whether we're talking about Bigfoot, whether we're talking about ghosts, whether we're talking about UFOs or whatever, in 29 years, nothing has changed. Yep. And if this was legitimate, there would be change by now. There would be something that is totally different. The only thing that has that I've seen is there's more charlatans and there's more money being made. People say, well, why do you do this, Rob, if nothing's changed? It's because I want the truth. I want the truth one way or the other. Yeah, yeah. And I agree. That's what's so frustrating. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's so frustrating. And a lot of people just get burned out. A lot of good people get burned out in the field because they're just... Um, the noise of, you know, the reality TV stuff is just so loud that it drain. It just you don't see the real stuff that's going on. The fascinating stuff, mm-hmm. the journal articles, the Dr. Persingers of the world, exactly. The Rupert Sheldrakes. They're they're not Dean they're Raiden, not, no. yeah. and they should be. They're the people yeah. that should be receiving yeah. the attention instead of these so-called reality TV shows, which are anything but real. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I. I was a skeptic mm-hmm. for most of my life until I picked up these books and started reading these journal yeah. articles. And that's what changed my mind, not, not TV. And unfortunately, the, the old tried and true experts that were around and, and were revered and, and want, you know, wanted by, by different talk show hosts, whether it's radio or TV, mm-hmm. they're not sensationalistic anymore. Yeah. And unfortunately, the media, and I'm proud to say that I don't have to slot myself into the same restraints as as the regular media who, you know, who have to go out after advertising dollars because we own our company. They, They need the draw. They need the sensationalistic numbers in order to get the advertising revenue. And that is so wrong. That is so wrong. And that's what you know, drives things to where they are now, yeah. you know, and, and, and that's kind of sad. Um, as your, as, as your president would say, fake news, fake news. <laughs> hey, listen, we've got to take our final break, Brandon. Uh, great talking to you. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you, Rob. Are right, you stand by and we'll be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up this hour here in the XO from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget you can, uh, Visit xzbn.net, look at our broadcast schedule. We've got some great shows, uh, 24-7, 365. And on Simul TV, the Exxon TV channel is Channel 21. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away.
Exonation, Brandon Marsulo is our special guest. His website is, are you ready, Exonation? Do you have your pencils and paper? There you go, hauntedtheories.com. And he's the author of The Ghost Studies, New Perspectives on the Origins of Paranormal Experiences, a great Christmas gift. And Brandon, where can, get, uh, where can people get copies of your book? Uh, the book's available, obviously, on Amazon.com. Uh, if you like to listen to it on um, your iPhone or in your car, Audible also has it. Uh, you can pick it up pretty much. And uh, Barnes and Noble sells it at the brick and mortar stores as well. I think Google Play, all basically anywhere you can find a book. You Excellent. Can find it. First of all, thanks very much for joining us. Great having you with us. I, I love the way you think and and how you take a look at the paranormal. Um, so, what what advice do you have for for people listening tonight who are saying to themselves, "Geez, I'd like to become a paranormal investigator or a para, <laughs> parapsychologist," I should say. Yeah, I, I think if if you're really really interested in the phenomenon, I, I don't I think parapsychology is really where to where yeah. to go. You, you, and I will I always when I see people out, I, I say you don't have to get a degree in it, but you can take an online course. The University of Edinburgh has just a it's it's almost like an introduction course, but it's taught by Dr. Caroline Watt, and so she's pretty much. Um, been in parapsychology for a while so you just get an idea of what it's like if you're really interested and you want to go a little bit further uh, I always tell people get a degree in something that you can get a job in <laughs> so that's uh, psychology or engineering or something like that uh, and then if you really want to pursue parapsychology for those of us in the states uh, you really have to go uh, overseas to uh, the UK to to, to get uh, the actual degree or actually do some research into it. Um, but really what you want to do is study psychological research methods, statistics, these types of things, how to conduct experiments. Um, and that's really the, the, the foundation. For me, I got a degree in psychology, then I got a graduate degree in counseling, which is where I make my money full time. Uh, and then I, once I did that for a while, I went overseas and got the psychological research methods. It's very challenging to get a full-time job in parapsychology because there's not a lot of positions for it. So most people who do this have a full-time job and then mm -hmm. do the research on the side. That's probably the best way to go with it. Why do you think that there are no accredited parapsychology courses in the United States or Canada for that matter? Yeah, I don't know the answer to that because I think that it's – I think it really comes down to funding. Mm -hmm. um, and with, with academia, you really have to get funding for any research that you do. So if you're in parapsychology, the people with the money maybe aren't shelling it towards research in the psi and telepathy and these types of things. Um, so that makes it hard for university departments to have parapsychology. Back in the 70s and 80s, there was a lot, there was some programs out there in the States, but not anymore. Um, and what's weird is when you go over to the UK, like the University of Edinburgh is a top 25 university. Yeah. You know, Darwin went there. They cloned the sheep there, you know, and they're studying parapsychology as well as other places in the UK. But it's taken pretty seriously over mm -hmm. there. I don't know what, the, why this, the United States is, is not like that. Um, it's It seems to be more materialistic when it comes to their academia and their research. Uh, I see this changing like we talked about. It seems like more and more universities and more of the younger doc students are studying consciousness and things outside the box. Uh, so I think it's going to get better. Hey, I, I always say if, if, if you're a university and you put a, a course on parapsychology in your course book, I guarantee that thing's going to pack up. So you're going to have students that want to go go to a course like that. Um, 
so the interest I think is there more than ever because of you know it being more mainstream nowadays. Mm-hmm. What is the number one question you get asked when you go out and you do lectures and and you meet and greet people? <sighs> There's the, the the question I feel like I'm always asked is about demons and. Um, I don't know anything about demons. <laughs> uh, I'll be honest with you. When I when I look at anytime I I study or look into or research an experience, mm-hmm. I try to take out any sort of religious connotations that go with it, right? So for for what one person might view a ghostly encounter as being positive, another person can view the same encounter as being negative. Right. And when when you view something as negative, then you want to put it into a category of you know, if you're a religious person, negative means demon, positive means angel or right. deceased loved one giving you a message. So really, we take our own psyche and we manipulate our experience into something that could be that way. Um, so when it comes to the demons, I always I always say, you know, when you when you start categorizing your experiences mm-hmm. and, you, and you start moving towards categorizing it through your religion, I think that that's more of a like a priest and things like that to, to, to talk to about things like just look at the experience. And if, if it's a phenomenon that's legitimate, that's really where my focus is. I don't like categorizing things as positive, negative demons, angels, loved ones. I just look at the experience and sort of what it is, what it is, you know? All right. In your experience as a, as an expert, what role does a person's religious beliefs play in the realm of the paranormal. You know, are there have there been studies done on this? Um, gosh, I'm there probably are. I can't pull any up in my mind right okay. now. Um, there's a lot of research into, you know, ghostly encounters being used as uh, a means to cope with things in your life, mm-hmm. right? I think religion is sort of something that you use to cope with things in your life. If somebody passes, knowing that they're going to heaven and they're going to be in a better place and they're not hurting anymore, these are all things we do to sort of help cope with grief that's going on. Um, I think your religion really plays a huge part if you have a lot of um, paranormal experiences or you have a paranormal experience because obviously your mind automatically goes towards, uh, I had a ghostly experience, so this must mean it's um, a ghost, and this has to do with afterlife. And my views on afterlife have to do with heaven and uh, being Christian and being Catholic. So then it, it automatically goes that way mm. for a lot of people. And and that's good, and that's positive for a lot of people. I think if you're really serious on researching it, it's and it's just as like everything else with medicine, you, you have to take out some of that those, those side things and just focus – on what you're doing and the actual experience. Not to say religion and afterlife and God, no, that doesn't exist. I'm saying it, it, it can sometimes cloud judgment and make you go towards a certain way. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, religion is an important part of everyone's life and, and what your religious views are, uh, are important. Um, so that, and every, probably every decision you make sometimes is based on, you know, your religious views on things. When it comes to people who seek out answers to their daily life problems. For example, those who go to psychics uh, to to get a better handle on their own lives. What advice do you have for these people? 
I, I think I would say what probably you say and everyone else would say is just you just got to be very very cautious yeah. when you do these types of things. Um, you know, there's there's some uh, there's some foundations actually that that actually certify people uh, as psychic uh, psychics and mediums. Uh, not to say that this certification means that they're uh, this is you know the end all be all, but they actually take some time into it. Uh, and, and I think the Winbridge Institute and there's another one that Lloyd Arbach's affiliated with that does this uh, Foundations for Living or mm-hmm. something like that. But you know it's it's a little bit more rigid as far as what the, the people that actually perform the service. You know as far as going on. Facebook and sending somebody, you know, twenty dollars to do a quick Facebook live session. Uh, I, I I think you really have to be careful in these types of things. You know, this being psychic takes a lot. There's a lot that goes into it um, from from what I've seen and read. So uh, to just flip it on like a switch, I think is very challenging to do. Uh, so you got to be really really cautious. Um, well, isn't this? It, it's all part of that billion, you know, a couple billion dollar a year business that is out there. Yeah, yeah, and and that's exactly right. It, it's a business, yeah. and this is how people make money. So, um, just be careful, be cautious. Do your try to go through one of those semi. They're those reputable places to find these types of things, and not just. Um, you know, typing in something and sure. Facebooking something. I think the best way to find anything out is by meeting your best friend at a local pub, sitting down, having a couple of pints, and just having a heart to heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, because you know when you when when you look at the psychics, you know, if they give you an insight into something and you actually do that doesn't that change the entire time-space continuum? Oh, wow, you're getting all meta on me there, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that wasn't very fair of me, but I will have you back on, and we will take that look, because okay. it's been great having you on. I wish you continued success. Good luck with your book, and uh, don't be a stranger. All right. Thank you, Rob. It's you, always a pleasure. You take care, Brandon. And ExoNation, right. if you'd like to find out more about my guest this hour, Brandon Masulo. Visit his website at, uh, let me see here, hauntedtheories.com. Well, that's it for to this hour. As we gain more of our affiliates when we come back right now, you're listening to us on the Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, iHeart Radio, Simul Radio, and Simul TV, and, of course, the Exxon Broadcast Network. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, TV. And don't forget, the X Chronicles newspaper, the current one is now available at xchroniclesnewspaper.com with our compliments, our way of saying thank you for being part of the Exxon Nation. I'll be back on the other side of this news break. Don't go away. Mm-hmm. 